Mr. Potter, that miserly old antagonist in the story of It's a Wonderful Life, he tried and he tried to win himself a prize. One little business, it stood in the way of him dominating and an entire city taking over the, the economy of the, the whole region. One little business run by a guy named George Bailey. And he needed to defeat that Bailey. And he hadn't been able to do so. But the wretched old man, he was clever. He was crafty. He was cunning. He conjured up a plan. He knew that this George Bailey was discontented. Potter knew. Bailey desperately wanted to get out of his hometown. He wanted to see the world, New York, Europe, these faraway and sophisticated parts of the world. They were calling, and Potter knew it. Why not defeat Bailey by capitalizing on the deepest desire of his heart? Make him an offer he couldn't refuse. $20,000 a year. That's enough money to travel the world. Wouldn't that be a wonderful life? 20 grand. Chump change, you say. Can't even buy you a brand new Chevy Malibu. Let's put that into a little perspective. It's 1945. George Bailey was earning 45 bucks a week. That's about $2,300 a year. And this Mr. Potter offered him $385 a week. That's an 850% raise. Think about that. And in 1945, 20000 well, that'd be a equivalent to nearly $300,000 today. That's quite an offer. You wouldn't mind living in the nicest home in town, buying your wife a lot of fine clothes, a couple of trips to New York a year, once in a while, Europe. You wouldn't mind that, would you? The old man had gone to the very heart of Bailey's deepest yearning. It wasn't just the money. No, it was this New York and Europe and all the sights. And George had a bad case of wanderlust. To see these places, he had only dreamt of it. And here it was right before him. It was in the palm of his hand. We can almost feel the pull, can't we? Just say yes, say yes. Yeah, what's the big deal? Some people might be angry with you, so what? You might lose a few friends. You'll make some new ones. This is a once in a lifetime opportunity. Now imagine yourself, imagine yourself with such an offer. A moment ago, your life was mundane, it was routine, but you know there's got to be more to life than this. If only, if only you had, you had the house or, or, or the car 
or the job or uh, the, the money, more money, the spouse, or, or maybe even the mistress, someone on the side, the freedom, the independence to do whatever you want. If you had whatever, whatever it is, you know there's more to life. Just fill in the blank. If you had whatever, the deepest yearning of your heart, and then someone was right there in front of you, and they're putting it into your hands. It might cost you some relationships. Maybe, you know, brush a little bit of your integrity to the side. But look at what you're going to gain. Oh, can you imagine it? It's an opportunity of a lifetime. What are you going to do? That image, it's all too real. It has happened since the beginning of time. In the beginning, the Garden of Eden, the serpent was present and put forward an offer. Eat from this tree. Eat from this tree. You're not going to die. Your eyes are going to be opened, and you will be like God. Now, there's an opportunity of a lifetime, right, to be like God. And the woman saw that the fruit on that tree was good. It was good for food, and it was pleasing to the eye, and it was desirable for gaining wisdom. And we know how she responded she took some of it and she ate it and she also gave some to her husband who was right there with her and he ate it and their eyes were opened and they were like God, right? Ah, there was these unintended consequences and their life was upended. Yeah, they got this greatest desire of their heart or so they thought and they were cast out of their home, removed from the garden. They were taken from a place that was characterized by light and the presence of God to a place separated from God and in darkness. That tempter, he's cunning, he's crafty, and you think he's going to reveal the unintended consequences to you? He won't let you know that if you follow him, you're being led into darkness. No. But he's going to entice you. He's going to put it before you. He'll put before you what looks too good to be true. Now go for it. Go for it. And it's going to rob you of a wonderful life. That is precisely what the enemy, the devil who is real, that's what Satan desires. To rob us. To steal from us. And to take our very own soul. He's real Temptation is a reality, and that reality, it was even part of the Christmas story. For even when Jesus was born, and the heavens opened, and there was a multitude of angels saying just what we were singing this morning, glory to God in the highest. While they were praising God, the antagonist was at work. Satan was trying to stop what Jesus had come to the earth to accomplish. Satan was trying to stop Jesus before he was old enough to even walk. 
One little child, Jesus. That's all, all he needed to do was stop that one little child. And we know that the heart of a great king, King Herod the Great, his heart was moved with murderous intent. Pride welled up in his heart because of Jesus. King Herod lied to a group of wise men who had come from the east seeking this one who was born king of the Jews. Herod was offended by this. Why would they come looking for the king of the Jews when he was the king of the Jews? But Herod played it pretty cool. He didn't let on. He lied to this group of traveling wise men. He said, when you find this little child, let me know because I want to worship him too. So they found him. Those wise men from the east, they found the Christ child, but they did not report back to King Herod. And he was furious. He was furious. And he ordered every child in Bethlehem and its vicinity to be murdered. Every child two years and younger. And he did that so that he could ensure that Jesus would be taken care of, done away with. And the threat to Herod's throne would be removed. God was in it. Warned the family. Warned Jesus' family. And they had fled to Egypt. Darkness had made its attempt to prevail and failed. Darkness had been thwarted. But was the devil done? No, the devil kept trying. When Jesus was grown and he was about to enter into his ministry... That tempter came. The devil came and paid a visit. Tempted Jesus. Tempted him to be prideful like King Herod. Tempted him in three different ways just before Jesus went out into his ministry. First, you're the son of God. You're the son of God. Turn this rock into bread and feed yourself. And second, if you're the son of God, throw yourself off of this mountain and save yourself you can do that and then the third temptation i'll read it to you from matthew's gospel this is matthew chapter 4 verses 8 to 10 it says again the devil took him jesus to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their splendor all this i will give you he said if you will bow down and worship me Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Jesus experienced temptation. He was tempted to be prideful, to show his power. He was tempted by all the possessions of the world laid before him, but he resisted and he did not sin. And there's purpose in that. There's purpose in that, and there's meaning in that for us. That temptation that Jesus experienced has purpose for us. It is one of the reasons that Jesus took on flesh and became a human. Now, we've talked about prayers. We've talked about the prayers that were put out by the people that were anticipating the coming of Jesus Christ, the Savior, Two weeks ago, we spoke of that. 
And last week we talked about one of the purposes that Jesus came into the world, a primary purpose to save sinners. But Jesus came into this world to help us live this life in this world with an adversary to help us overcome and to conquer the temptation of the evil one. I bring you this from the letter to the Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 to 18, that talks about this purpose. It says, Since the children have flesh and blood, Jesus too shared in their humanity so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is, the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. For surely it is not angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants. For this reason he had to be made like them, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people because he himself suffered when he was tempted. He is able to help those who are being tempted. Jesus suffered when he was tempted. The temptation was real. It was real. It had a draw. There was a pull. But Christ resisted, and he did not fall. He remained sinless. And he who knew no sin became sin for us. He, he went to that cross for us. But before that, he was tempted. He was pulled. The devil came to him to try to get him to turn and sin. And he'll help us. He'll help those who are being tempted. Now, if you've noticed anything about the word of God, the devil is a reality. The devil is somewhat a main character. He tempted and he connived and he interfered and he wreaked havoc in the lives of many who fell victim to his schemes. Old Testament and New Testament. The devil was in the Garden of Eden. He was there, tempting, pulling, drawing Adam and Eve. The devil was there in the wilderness, tempting Jesus. The devil filled the heart of Judas to betray Jesus. From the Garden of Eden to, to Judas in the Garden of Gethsemane, there's the, there's the enemy. Who's immune from this? Who's immune from this temptation? No one. We are all, we are all going to be tempted. We are all tempted. And Satan uses all of our selfish desires, all of what our flesh would want to entice us, to draw us, to attempt to fool us, to ultimately make us go against God's word, to defy God, the devil turns the truth into a lie. And it seems so believable. But the truth was that Jesus came into the world 
as a child to grow and to live out a mission, a mission of mercy and, and compassion to save the world. And many believed God had promised this Savior, and they were eagerly waiting. But many, many more, they believed the lie. Herod the Great, he did not see Jesus the Savior. No, what did he see? He saw a threat to his throne, and he tried to kill Jesus. And today, in this culture, people still view Jesus as a threat. It's, he, he's a threat to their lifestyle. You know, Jesus is the killjoy. Holiness is no fun. If I get involved with your Jesus, then what? Well, I can't live the way I want to, can I? And that threat perception, it continues. It, it, it's the Herod syndrome. And people live with this Herod syndrome. They see Jesus as Herod did. He's a threat and he needs to be stopped. The culture of the world mocks Christianity. They mock Christmas. They mock Jesus. Even temptation. Temptation, really? I mean, how can you even call it that? How can it be bad if it yields what the world celebrates, what the world desires? Don't tell me I've fallen for temptation and that I'm living in sin. No way. My life is fine. Don't call me a sinner. I'm having a great time. And you might, you, you say it's wrong, you say I fell victim. No, I like it. And, he, and here's an example. This is just one example from the current modern day 21st century Western culture. Netflix has announced a new Christmas special, and it's titled The First Temptation of Christ. That's a very interesting title. Sounds intriguing. Maybe I should watch this film, The First Temptation of Christ. But I wouldn't recommend it. Don't go watch it. This is a film that depicts Jesus as a homosexual who's introduced with his partner at his drunken 30th birthday party with all of his disciples. Netflix Christmas special. Now, why make such an awful movie? Why make such an awful film that mocks Jesus and mocks Christianity? Because Jesus is a threat. Jesus threatens the lifestyle of the culture. So what's the culture going to do? They're going to mock Jesus. They're going to mock the truth. They're going to attempt to kill off Jesus. They're living the Herod syndrome. But as Christians, you know, we know the truth. We know that we're going to be confronted by this kind of vile. We're going to be confronted by temptations to deny the truth, to call it okay, temptations that, that pull us to live contrary to the truth. And sometimes that pull is hard. It's real. You, we might have a Mr. Potter in our life. Mr. Potter that says, hey, look, all of this can be yours. If. Yeah, just step away from the truth. Just step away. 
Deny what you know. Deny that truth. And then that Herod syndrome kicks in. Deny the truth. Again, I say it's all too real. Yeah, it happened in the beginning, but we know it happened to one of Jesus' closest followers. Peter. Peter even denied knowing Jesus. So what can we do? What can we do against such, such a power? Embrace the power of Christ. Embrace the power that's offered in this final section of Hebrews chapter 2. Jesus took on humanity. He came to this earth. He was born as a child, a human man, so that he could live a life and then die. And by his death, he might break the power of him who holds the power of death. That is the devil. Now hear that. Christmas. Christmas. God becoming a human being as the baby Jesus. It led to something, the breaking of the power of the evil one, the breaking of the power of the devil. Jesus, Jesus did that. But the devil still tempts, you say. Yeah, he prowls around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. His power is broken? How? How is his power broken? First, Jesus conquered death. That's what we read. He not only became a man by being born on that first Christmas morning, but after giving his life and dying, he was resurrected. Life again. He came back to life. Death could not hold him. He conquered death. But we still die. We still die. You can all raise your hand and say, well, I've been to a funeral. How did he conquer death? Yeah, death's a reality. It still occurs. But the sting of death, the strength of death, that is nothing. That is nothing to those who've received Jesus Christ. Death is powerless for those in Christ because Jesus defeated death. He conquered the power of death the body may die, the body may, may fall back to the grave, but a resurrection to life is guaranteed because Jesus Christ beat out death and he was the first to overcome it and he said, all of you that are, are in me, you're gonna get that too, a resurrection to life. And when that resurrection occurs, there will be no more death. That'll be it. Death will be done. Death will be completely eradicated, swallowed up in victory. So Jesus shared in our humanity so that he might die. He was born to die, to break the power of him who holds the power of death, the devil. And if you're living in Jesus, what's the devil got on you? The devil's got nothing on you. But that doesn't mean he's, he's going to stop trying. Temptation still comes. And that closing passage of Hebrews chapter 2, it gives us a second point of Christ's humanity, a second point of why Jesus came to this earth. And it's a tremendous, wonderful benefit for all of us. 
First, Jesus broke the power of the devil and death. And second, recall that final verse, verse number 18, because Jesus, having taken on the flesh and blood of humanity, he himself suffered when he was tempted, and he's able to help those who are being tempted. And that's fantastic for us because Jesus became a human being and he was tempted. The, the, the experience has been recorded for us. The Gospels of Matthew and Luke give us details. I read to you some of the Gospel of Matthew. The devil said, turn this rock into bread so you can eat if, you, if you're really God. Throw yourself off this mountain. Save yourself if you're really God. See, the whole world, it can be yours. Just worship me. So th these were recorded for us. And they give us a window into the, the, the cunning craftiness of the evil one. And specifically how Satan came to tempt Jesus. But was that it? Was that all for Jesus? That, that was his temptation. And then he just went on. And the devil just left him alone. No, no. Luke wrote the devil left Jesus until an opportune time. In other words, he tried again. And the writer of Hebrews wrote that Jesus was tempted in every way, just as we are. What does that mean, every way? Well, it means every way. Jesus was tempted in every way. Jesus was born a human. He was tempted just like we are. And he suffered when he was tempted. He suffered. He understands the pressure. He understands the draw, the pull, the enticement of temptation. But the writer didn't stop after telling us that Jesus suffered when he was tempted. No, he continued. Because he said he's able to help those who are being tempted. Hallelujah, I'm tempted, I need help. Jesus went through that, and he can help the tempted. There is power here. Get this power. There is power to overcome and defeat temptation with the help of Jesus Christ. Now, how do you avail yourself to that? How does that work? How do you get this power? Well, the, the, the word help here, the word help it doesn't do the very best to convey the essence of what was there in this, the, the original Greek. The original Greek word here that, that this writer in Hebrews used, which isn't very often in the New Testament, it's a compound word. And it means, it, it means run, that's one word, run, and the second word is cry. And that's very interesting. It comes across to us as help. Together, it's run to the cry. Run to the cry. To help in our time of temptation, get this, Jesus will run to the cry. Now, what does that imply? When you're tempted, don't just stand there. Don't just stand there idly by. Don't stand silent, you know, waiting for your problem to be noticed. Is that what you do when you need help? Yeah, you crash your car, you trip and fall. You just sit there, right? Or do you call for help? Do you cry out? Cry out so that someone will 
run to the cry. Jesus suffered when he was tempted, and he'll help you in your temptation. He'll run to the cry. So cry out, call out, cry out when, when the pull is, is there. Cry out, cry out when you're in the, the throes of temptation. Jesus has provided us deliverance. As a matter of fact, he gave us a deliverance prayer. His disciples said, teach us to pray, Lord, and he gave us a prayer. And it's a prayer of deliverance. Lord, lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from the evil one. Oh, pray that. Pray that. Cry out to God when you're in temptation. Lead me not into temptation. Deliver me from the evil one. Lord, I'm crying out to you. Cry out when you're being pulled. Cry out before you're pulled. And believe, believe, believe that Jesus will attend to your cry. He'll attend to your prayer. The writer of Hebrews put it in there. Run to the cry. He'll run to the cry. He will help. Don't gloss over this power. Don't gloss over this power that's available because of the suffering of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Do you got an antagonist in your life? Do you, got, do you have a Mr. Potter? You know, he's been dogging you. He's been trying to get you and knock you down. Maybe he's been trying these hard ways and these, these painful ways. Ah, oh, but now suddenly there's an enticement. The greatest desire you, you've had the car, the job, the money, the boyfriend, the girlfriend, the whatever. Fill in the blank. What's the pull? If only you had what you deeply desire, just deny what's true, deny a little bit of Jesus. No, you don't have to do that. Jesus won the victory. He won the victory over the, the evil one. He won the victory over death. And the power of temptation, that's an amazing power that we have availed to us. Call on him. Cry out to him. Does anyone in here need, need today to call out to him or cry out to him? I, I, I just invite you to stand. And, and if you need to pray, if you need to call out to him, the Lord Jesus will help. He'll run to the cry. He'll attend to your need. This is why we have altars right here in the front of this church. So you can come and pray. We believe that Jesus will meet you when you cry out to him. He will. It's one of the reasons he came. He came as a, as a man child. Took on flesh. He understands. It's such a great thing. Whenever I'm thinking and, and feeling sorry for myself, Oh, you know, God, you don't get it. You, he gets it. He gets it. Yeah, I can, I've been there. I have been in that place where I'm just pouring it on. He, oh, God, you don't understand. You don't, oh, you, what do you know? You don't, oh, you don't have this, it's such a pain. Or I've had something put before me, and that has happened too. Just do this. Man, it'll be so great. It's going to be awesome. It's a powerful pull. And we all feel it. There's no shame in that. Jesus was tempted. He was tempted. 
He just didn't sin. There's no shame in it. It happens. It's common to all of us. Let's pray as, as we uh, sing. Michael, lead us in a song. And if you feel on your heart, you can step forward. Come down to these altars. If you want someone to pray with you, we have altar workers. They'd love to pray with you. We can cry out. Call on him. Jesus will run to the cry. He became sin who knew no sin that we might become his righteousness. He humbled himself and carried the cross. Love so amazing. Love so amazing. Jesus Messiah. Name above
you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your presence here this morning. Lord, you're good. You're good. We love you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. any more that need prayer or desire prayer, we're not going to rush out of here. These altars are open. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. There's none like you. Let's pray. Let's all pray. Let's together pray. Ask God's blessing to keep us because it comes. It comes. Those potters in our life, they'll come. It's real. But remember, when you're tempted, think Christmas. Think Christmas. This is why Jesus came. He can help me. He can help me. He came here and he suffered through this same stuff and he can help. Father, thank you. Thank you for the mighty coming and the mighty power of Jesus, our Lord and our Savior. Lord, he suffered temptation that's real to all of us. The adversary, though he's defeated, is still out there trying. So, Lord, help us to all embrace the power that we have in Jesus Christ and to never be ashamed to cry out, to call on him and trust that he will run to the cry. God, he can deliver us, and we thank you for that. We thank you for that, God. Lord, and we we just pray. Lord, we'll pray and close with the prayer that Jesus gave us. The great prayer of deliverance. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespassed against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.